Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello, and thanks for joining me. Today, I got to have a great conversation with a good friend of mine, Christopher Lambert. Christopher is a graduate from the Shiatsu Academy of Tokyo, based out of Toronto, and is also a registered RMT, but beyond that, he's taken so many programs and different courses to touch on all kinds of different techniques. So he's looked into myofascial anatomy, functional exercise, health and wellness concepts, all the way from different osteopathic techniques like muscular energy, positional release, fascial release, cranial sacral techniques. As long as I've known Christopher, he's always been on a pursuit to learn more and to deeper understand this connection between the mind and the body. And in this conversation today, we got to talk about that, some of the common issues that we have in our body, some of the things that cause us pain, whether it be chronic or acute, and even just different ways that we can change our perspective of the signals that our body's giving us. We also kind of jumped in a little bit of uh, Chris's backstory and what brought him to understand his passion to this degree. So I had a great time with this episode. I hope you enjoy as well. Good morning, Christopher. Thank you for joining me today. Good morning, Jason. I'm, I'm really excited. Here. I'm really excited because uh, you and I have actually been pretty good friends, at least <laughs> at least from my opinion. We've been pretty good friends for uh, <laughs> yes, a number of years. Agree. And I've always respected you not only as being an amazing individual to to be around, but also for your knowledge uh, of your craft, which of course is is body work and and your work as an RMT. So when I was thinking about people to interview, you definitely came uh, strong to the foreground of my mind to really just dive into your fields and everything. But before we do that, I'd love to hear how you got into this and what drove your passion to get into body work in this way. Mm, interesting. Okay. So uh, thank you, first of all, super happy to be here. Um, so uh, body work sort of popped up a couple times in my uh, teen years uh, as a sort of curiosity, I guess, uh, mostly. Um, I've always been a bit of a body geek. Uh, wanted to know how things worked that way. Uh, for instance, uh, my grade 12 chemistry uh, class, I did my project on um, human growth hormone and um, as opposed to one of the other things that I was, uh, was looking at. So that sort of was always something that was kind of interesting to me. Um, but uh, I left high school, went off and became an actor, uh, actually attended George Brown uh, College uh, theater program and uh, did their three-year three theater program. And that's where I was first introduced to actual body work. So we had a teacher there, Leslie Frost, who taught us movement. And she was trained in Alexander Technique and some of the other, like Feldenkrais and things of that nature, some of these movement um, repatterning ideas. Mm. Um, and would, 
she took us through a number of those um, projects working on trying, like the goal of those is for an actor at least is to become as close to neutral as you can so that you can then put a character on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're as a, as a, as the actor, you're working towards becoming as close to neutral as possible. Um, and then once you've diminished some of your own personal patterns, you can now place somebody else's patterns on you. So if you need the audience to think that you're sad, you can put a sad posture on and move across the stage and people will see you as being sad, right? Mm-hmm. I love this. Idea. <laughs> so that's the kind of the concept there as to why you're learning those things. So, anyway, so that was that was my first real introduction to some of this uh, body work type of ideas. Uh, along with that, we were doing a lot of massaging on each other, um, working out kinks and all that sort of stuff. Um, eventually, that that career um, fizzled out. We'll say. Mm-hmm. Worked for about three years after school, but no real major breaks, of course, because 85% of actors in Toronto are unemployed or actually waiters. Um, and uh, so I finally let that go and was at a loss as to what to do. So what did I do? I, I've always been a big fan of uh, Joseph Campbell. And one of his uh, things that he talks about quite often is this... Um, um, like a hero's hero's journey or a mission quest or those sorts of concepts. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, okay, so, um, you know, modern Western human beings, males particularly don't have that sort of a societal um, spiritual journey quest anymore. So I will create my own, I will do a walkabout idea. So I, packed up a bag and uh, got a ride up to um, Tobermory mm-hmm. and took um, a week as a solo hike down the Bruce Trail from Tobermory back down to Wyardin. And I planned it in March so that I knew that I would not see anybody else while I was out on the trail uh, other than some day hikers um, and uh, went for my, um, my walkabout and, um, so as is, I think, normal in most of these occasions, what, hap- what you need will happen to you. And so by about four days in, I had managed to overexert myself enough that I had blown my knee out. Mm-hmm. And I could no longer uh, walk without, you know, sub- substantial pain in my, in my left knee. So I had managed to make it into Hope's Bay and found a payphone because it was uh, <laughs> early 90s at this point and um, uh, called up uh, my now wife and asked her to come pick me up. And uh, she said she couldn't be there until uh, evening. So I sat down in a field and waited for her to arrive. And so I ended up... Uh, having a bit of a meditation practice, forced meditation practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like some of the and, most powerful ones are. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in the middle of that field, I sort of heard come up from inside me, you know, maybe what you're looking to do is to be a body worker. So interesting to me that my knee was the thing that prompt, like my, my injured knee was the thing that prompted me to think about becoming a body worker. Um, so I ran it by a good buddy of mine who was a physiotherapist. He still is a physiotherapist. Excellent, excellent guy in Toronto. Um, and uh, his response to me was about fucking time. So I thought, okay, that's a positive. And uh, that was where I started. Started looking around to see um, where I would like to train. And uh, the first school I attended was the Shiatsu Academy of Tokyo in Toronto, um, run by a man, Kenson uh, Saito. Um, and uh, took their two-year program. And from there, so I started as a Shiatsu uh, practitioner and then um, took uh, massage therapy in 2005. And then I've also uh, been to Esalen and did uh, their program in California. And I've done a number of uh, workshops over the years in different osteopathic techniques and uh, worked with a, a guy um, um, in uh, structural integration work. So I've done some of those things over the years as, as, we've moved, as I've moved forward in, into this uh, career. So I knew about your, I knew about the acting past, which uh, I love that idea too. As, as you know, my wife, Lauren, she went to school for animation. And yeah. in, similar, in a similar way to, you know, having to understand that neutral body to be able to identify with characters and pick out, you know, physical traits and stuff like that. In animation, they had to learn to animate, learn how the body works and everything. It's amazing how some of these, these fields that you wouldn't think would have these parallels uh, are, are so linked up in that way. So that's... Uh, yeah, lead, lead you to this thing of... of um of understanding the body so that at some point that's the, that's the piece that holds. Right. And I, so. I really think that it speaks so much to what you do. And then I've seen you work a little bit and I've gone for a couple sessions with you as well. And the idea of coming back to neutral body, because I think in so many ways, that's kind of what we are looking to do when we go to see a body worker in some way, shape or form. It's I want my body to be able to, not have all of this record on it anymore all this record of scars and injuries and all that which uh you and i were talking yeah. about a little bit before we we actually had this episode yes <laughs> but before we get into that i did not know about this whole walkabout uh thing i think i've oh. heard bits and pieces of that story but i never heard the whole thing and uh, you know the whole premise of this podcast is improving the quality of life through mind body spirit and yes I, I could do an episode just on, on that. Just on the walkabout. Yeah. Hey, you should. Because it's such <laughs> a powerful piece, right? To be in this situation where, you know, I, I put a lot of my eggs in a basket. And in this case, we'll call this basket acting at that stage in your life. And then having to go through that, that shift to say, you know what, this isn't working for me. I can try to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. But at what point... 
am I not getting that return on investment? At what point is this losing its passion for me? And it's no longer feeling like something that I want to just keep putting energy at and keep throwing energy at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and how do we, and then how do I go about, um, do I make a new decision? Do I force something? Right. That's the other piece to me is mm-hmm. it always been in, and that's a reverberation that's gone through my life is, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I've, been trained somewhat by society to act and think in a certain way and um for me much of the much of that is this idea of of um you know stepping forward making a choice right like mm-hmm. forcing your your thought mm-hmm. right or forcing your idea um and um I've always struggled against that because it doesn't feel like it provides, right? It feels like there's so many pitfalls to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, However, having, having a plan I think is useful. We just need to be willing to uh, accept, um, we how do I say that? How we need to be willing to accept things coming in from the side. Yeah, for sure. So one of the right. analogies, because this comes up quite a bit when I do my my mindfulness coaching with people, because I I think anyone who's listening who's a coach can can recognize this. But hearing the words uh, "stuck" or "I feel stuck" is probably yeah. one of the most common things that comes up, yeah. Yeah. and a lot of it is exactly what you're talking about. So an analogy that. I came up with it at one point in time, uh, more from my own hiking trail days, is imagine that you are setting off on a long trek. And I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about your walkabout. You're setting off on a long trek. And maybe in the distance, you see this beautiful, tall tree. And you're like, you know what? That's where this path looks like it's going. That's where I want to go on this walkabout. And so you yeah. start walking down the pathway and you slowly start to notice that the trail is deviating slightly away from that tree until it fully makes a, you know, a right-hand turn or something. And you're like, oh, I'm starting to walk away from it now. So the question that always comes up, and this is, I have no answer for this, but the question that always comes up is, do you, A, say, no, I'm making it to that tree no matter what. And you pull out your machete and you start trailblazing your own trail to try to get to that tree or B, say, well, you know what? The trail is going to the right now. And it's not to say that there's not going to be another amazing tree there, or maybe a lake, or maybe something else that I completely fall in love with that I didn't even know was in this part of the world or something like that. And this is kind of like this, this balance. Do I push on and say, no, 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 I said I'm going to that tree, or do I fall I go to that tree? Yeah. And I think the answer uh, for me and I don't know, it's, as you alluded to, I think it's got to be individual for each person at each moment that the trail deviates, Mm -hmm. right? So the answer for me is how much, we'll call it passion, do I have to see that particular tree? Yeah, yeah, because the worst if I if I have the if I have the drive to take out my machete and actually hack through the forest, then 
then why should like then for me that says that i i personally believe that i should do that mm -hmm. right um it will bring a certain result however if i if i look at it and i'm like yeah i i could do that right i could pull well, my machete and whack and hack you know bushwhack through the forest mm -hmm. but i could also do this well then in those those instances i i feel that i will follow the path and see what else comes the third option is, is you start bushwhacking through the forest and at some point <laughs> you lose the drive mm -hmm. or you discover something else it's true yeah because that is right? one of the things that often comes up is we we start by fighting we start by saying, no, I can't quit. No, I have to go no. on. So we start cutting our way through and then we get midway into it and then we're exhausted and then we kind of pass out on our own trail a little bit and say, ah, I yeah. can't swing my arm anymore. What do I do now? Do I double yeah. back and then get back to the path or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah. And so, uh, you know, to the point of this podcast, I think uh, at that point, uh, it's again, it's that thing of, being mindful. I'm here. What is here? What do I see? Mm -hmm. How do I feel? What's happening? Right? Um, and not see it as a failure. Was, and don't see no, nothing's a failure. Right. Right? There's no there's really no such thing as failure. It's simply uh has have my past choices brought me to a place currently that I am uh excited about or not? And if, uh, if not, then what choices can I make knowing where I am now mm -hmm. to, to give me more excitement, more, more, uh, not excitement necessarily, but more, um, uh, peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. More joy, more bliss, whatever you want to you call it. Yeah. Or swear, you know, there are, there are a lot of, of, uh, of caveats to that, of course, that I would, I would bring up, but nevertheless, that's sort of a baseline idea for me. So yeah, that idea is always uh, tricky. And I, and, and so, uh, you know, I, I personally see body work in the same vein mm -hmm. that idea of being stuck. Right. So you saying on a, on a life path, I'm stuck. Well, that's why people come see me is because part of their body is stuck. Mm -hmm. And it's stuck because of the path, life path that they've chosen, in my personal opinion. Right. I love that you, you managed to tie it back into the bodywork side of things. That's, that was a very tactful maneuver. But I'm not done yet. Uh, oh, <laughs> we'll get to the bodywork stuff. But now on. You're, also, right. you're also an entrepreneur, right? And, and so many of the people that, um, again, that come to see me as a coach and everything, that's a big part of it. So now you got my like you got me on the scent of this entrepreneurial drive and everything because, uh, <laughs> you know, I think about it even with my own endeavors that I, I started in a corporate setting. I was doing the architectural project management. I came to another point in time where I said, you know, this isn't what I want to be doing. I don't know what I want to do. And so in a, a lot of ways, like I resonate with your story because I, I kind of went on a, a walkabout of my own, right? I, I sold my possessions. I left the country and I traveled the world for a couple of years trying to figure out what the heck I want to do with this life. And then that whole piece around, do I want to keep bushwhacking or do I want to follow the trail again came up so strong for Lauren and I, my wife and I, 
when we opened this yoga studio and year one, looking at it and saying, we're putting money into this constantly. It's not as fun necessarily as we originally thought it was going to be. Oh. It feels like work and all this kind of stuff. And the thing about that not being a failure is we had to say to ourselves at one point, will we be okay if we have to close this down? Like, how are we going to feel if we just have to say, you know what, this isn't working, we need to close the business. And at first it was this feeling of like, oh, people are going to think that we couldn't do it and all of this. And it was all ego based. And then when we said like, look what we learned in this venture, even if the studio closed down, like we had no idea how to write contracts, how to set up a business. We didn't know anything about bookkeeping or all that. Like this has been like, like the moment we came into it. Totally. It's like uh, going to university or something for yeah. business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And as soon as we had that mindset, it totally took away the stress and we were able to enjoy ourselves more in the business again. And then everything started shifting and then the business started doing better. And, you know, this is our fifth year now with that particular business. And, you know, COVID times is a, an interesting thing, but it's been a great journey nonetheless. Yeah. And, and again, COVID times, again, we can see it as a, as a, uh, an issue, as a problem, or we can look at it as a challenge, mm -hmm. uh, which it definitely is. But I think the difference there is that a problem is something to over, like it's, it's something to overcome, to change, to force yourself against. Whereas mm -hmm. in my opinion, a, challenge is something to uh learn from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that in uh, i know i know somebody else might use different language for that but that's sort of what i'm aiming at there it's like yeah so so you've got a, a new difficulty okay let's let's learn from it again what's happened right so all of that other stuff that you've that you were dealing with up until that again if you take that idea the mindset of i'm we were challenged here. This is not as much fun. Mm -hmm. We might have to shut down. Um, and we apply that to my ego, then I feel like shit. And if we apply that to a learning uh, opportunity, mm -hmm. then uh, suddenly it's like, hey, what else can we learn in this business? Right? Exactly. And life itself. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. That's what I'm, I'm, I feel good now. I got that whole you you know, got that? journey aspect out of the way. So let's get back into the, the bodywork stuff because you know, you, I, it, people don't necessarily know you who are listening to this. I know I can talk to you about, you know, any conversation under the sun and we'd have a good time, but uh, we'll get you, we'll get you back on, on the bodywork track because that's, <laughs> uh, again, when I thought about coming to see you, I thought back to uh, the first session that I went to with you, and I think I've only had a couple, but the first session I went to with you, the thing that kind of came up was, I thought my legs, my hamstrings, very tight hamstrings, and then I, and I had no idea that I basically had the shoulders that I now know that I have, the tight pectoral minor, the winged scapula, all the kind of stuff that had slowly been creeping up on me for, from years of using my muscles and my body in an imbalanced way that came from my Muay Thai, that came from my wrestling days, that came from all of these sports and everything that I did, and slowly not recognizing that my shoulders were curling in, slowly not recognizing that repetitive muscle development um, in an unbalanced fashion were making some muscles tight to the point where they were, you know, uh, 
shaping my body in a different way. Yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. So one of the things that we were talking about before this is really how when we, we start to face these mobility issues, it's really, it's not like I did this, now I'm facing the consequences. I, I had my back turned and I sneezed. Now I need to go see Christopher to help me do whatever it is that I, I did to myself. It's, you know, what has happened over the years? What is the history, uh, the record in my body that's now that straw that's breaking the camel's back? So I was wondering if you want to speak a little bit into some of these body patterns that you, you witness when people come and, and lie on your table. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would say that that's <clears throat> for me. And as you've all heard that that is that is actually my come from that's that is uh, <clears throat> the point of view that I've taken pretty much right from the beginning because of my history, right? Mm -hmm. So I really truly think uh, that so much of the stuff we experience now, if not everything that we experience now is built upon, predicated by the life that we've lived to this point, and very likely the, the life that we've lived, the lives that we've lived around to this point too. Um, so in the body, that is going to shape you, that li literally shape you uh, into the human being that you are now. Um, and so all of the, everything that we do We'll have some. Uh, we'll have some shaping uh, power to who we will be twenty-five years from now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, when we when somebody comes to see me because of an acute issue, meaning right, like we were talking before, my shoulder is impinged and I'm having pain here in my shoulder now. Um, it seems very much to us that it happened in that moment. I reached back and grabbed my purse. I, you know, I was bending down to grab a piece of paper and I sneezed, I, whatever, right? Like those things, mm -hmm. uh, there's that moment and wow, now I'm in pain. Um, and it is, we can work on that. We can, we can deal with the uh, immediate and help that person with that immediate uh, acute issue. Uh, however, in my opinion, and as you, as you were saying, it's very likely uh, predicated on your history, on who you are, how you've moved, and the things that you have done. Um, so if you're, the classic is if, you know, the whole idea that sitting is the new smoking, right? So the classic is there. Uh, I sit at a desk for my job. So that's an eight hour a day, probably, you know, five of those hours or if not, you know, six of those hours are spent sitting with your mm -hmm. arms stuck out in front of you like Frankenstein, right? Mm -hmm. um, or Frankenstein's monster, I guess, actually. So anyways, um, and, and that is going to have a shaping factor, uh, factor on your life. You're, it's going to, it's going to change how you are structured certain areas of your body, like your psoas, your uh, tensor fasciae the rectus femoris are going to shorten up same thing in the upper. So those are all lower body, uh, lower body muscles. Uh, same thing in the upper body, pectoralis minor is going to shorten up. Uh, sternocleidomastoid is going to show up, shorten up. Um, 
and those things are going to change how your shoulder sits, how well you can um, extend in the hip, um, etc. Because of those things shortening, other muscles on the opposite side of those joints are also probably going to shorten in order to shore up the, the whole balance thing, right? So it's, a, it's both, it's, so these things, your body is an intelligent machine, right? Is it, it self-corrects. We're receiving feedback from all sorts of different places at all the time. And much of this is happening on a subconscious level. And so it is constant, constantly self-correcting as well. Um, so that choice of sitting in a, in, a, in a chair for that period of time um, is going to lead you to a certain body type that's going to allow you to do certain things uh, easy and other things are going to be difficult. Um, and that's going to... Uh, that's, that's going to lead you to the potential for certain issues. So uh, for me, I see a lot of people for shoulder issues. I see a lot of people for low back issues. And the reason is because of, of how modern life shapes us, right? Like uh, most people s sit at a desk. If they don't sit at a desk, they're driving regularly. Um, and if they're not doing uh, one of those two things, then they quite likely have different issues. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a factory worker, let's say you work on a line or something like that, and you've got certain positions that you put yourself into on a regular basis, then I might see uh, that person come in for the issues that would relate to that job. Um, uh, again, the shoulder impingement problem can be a big deal because we do a lot of, of uh, extraneous work with our arms and shoulders and we you know, challenge that stuff regularly. Um, so when I do see somebody on a, for an acute case, I'm always thinking also, what is the history? What is the pattern? Um, what are the relationships that are happening um, between the different body parts that led them to this place? Because once we've, once we've cleaned up the acute, if they want to feel that sense of of neutrality or which to be totally honest is not is not likely for for many of us we don't have the available energy to, to get there right mm -hmm. or we can move in that direction right um so if we want to move in that direction then we need to look at that person's uh, history and the patternings that are showing up in their body and we and we try to um, reverse or erase some of that um, but again so I'll just th finish off with this last piece there there are no failures mm -hmm. so um, the pattern that you have now in your body the the movement patterns, etc., are there because of who you are, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and most of us like at least parts of who we are. Mm -hmm. So if I erase all of that stuff, if I have the ability to erase all that stuff and make you a neutral human being, you would no longer, literally, you would no longer be who you are. So if I, if I took your shoulders, Jason, and, 
and and um, erased that um, roundedness by opening up uh, pectoralis minor, by strengthening rhomboids, by uh, allowing for uh, some range in, in sternocleidomastoid so that your head could come back up. And, and if I erased that, part of you, part of who you are, part of the way people see you, part of the way that you interact with people would change and you would no longer be that Jason. So we have to make sure that we actually want to, we, we actually want to get rid of that part. Right. That's just like, yeah, I, first of all, the whole time you're talking about this, I feel myself like rolling my shoulders back. I'm fixing my posture the whole time. I'm watching how I'm sitting and everything. So that, <laughs> that's just amusing to me. But uh, I just had a little bit of a, a mind blowing uh, moment there because in, in the world of mindfulness and when I work with people with stress, one of the big things that we always talk about is recognizing that, you know, although we often hate the feeling of anxiety and fear and all that kind of stuff that is there for a reason and that some way, shape or form, you are signaling to your body that you need this, that you need those specific releases of hormones that are going to help you to prepare to defend yourself because you feel unsafe or something. And a big piece around shifting our perspective and this uh, villainization of these things. And I often tell people like, you know, all of this stuff is just your body trying to help you. It's trying to adapt to the signals that you're giving it. Yes. And it, exactly what you just said is, is, is so similar with the body. Like your body's looking at it and saying, okay, this is the position you are putting me in day after day after day. This must be the position that you want me to develop into. So let's start adjusting these muscles. Let's start adjusting the shape of this body so that it's going to mold into that desk chair uh, in a better way and allow yeah. the shoulders to sit here so you could type on the keyboard and everything. And I've always thought of it in terms of, again, like, yeah, this villainization, like, oh, I hate these shoulders. Oh, I hate, you know, why would my body do this to me? And yet so much of it is like, this is what I'm telling my body to do the whole yeah, time. I would say all of it is what it, it comes yeah. down to. This is what I'm telling my body to do. And I would also, I would also equate, it's not like what's happening uh, with the hormones. It is what's happening with the hormones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are the same. They are the same um, uh, series of, of events, right? Mm -hmm. And what's happening with the hormones is affecting what's happening with your fascia. What's happening with your fascia is affecting what's happening with your hormones. What's happened, right? Like it's yeah. not mine, it's not to, to my, to my uh, uh, opinion, it is not a mind body connection. My mind is part of my body. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is the same thing. They are all inter, they are interconnected. You cannot actually unconnect them. Right. Who yeah. I, what, how I think is how I move. Mm -hmm. How I move affects how I think. Yeah, no, totally. And it's, you know, there's all that, um, the, all the studies out there about how simply sitting up with a straighter back changes the amount of testosterone you're releasing and like all this kind yeah. of stuff, which is yeah. fascinating in and of itself, these yeah. life hacks, these ways that we can tap into that mind body in a, in a more powerful way. So yeah. one of the pieces that 
I guess, uh, <laughs> I guess I kind of want to get into next then is if I am sitting at my desk for long periods of time, but yet on the weekends, I want to go rock climbing. I want to go play yeah. frisbee. I want to yeah, cycle yeah, yeah, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Like, I, I guess, do you go in your practice? Do you go beyond the acute? Will you say like, because I, I know certain colleges, they're very specific around what you should and should not be telling uh, patients and, and clients and all this kind of stuff. But do you ever get into like, look, okay, if this is something that you want to have more mobility in, here's something that you could be doing on your own, whether yeah, it be very much balls or any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, all, all the time. That's, that is a, a big part of what I would like to do with clients. I always, I personally will... Um, I will temper it by I, the first thing I try to do is understand a client's available, I call it available energy, meaning how much uh, life force do they have to devote to these things. So a lot of people will say, I would like to run or do a marathon or uh, I would like to go climbing or I would like to uh, improve how my feet are, right, etc. Mm -hmm. Feet is a great is a great one, actually. Um, so I've got plantar fasciitis right now. We get we we work on it. I eventually uh, help this person. The two of us work towards uh, reducing the pain that they're feeling, and then they start to think about the future, right? Because they're no longer in such pain that they have to constantly be thinking about present. Mm -hmm. um, and they start thinking, I would like for my feet to be much more, you know, mobile and flexible and my arches to lift and so on and so forth. Well, that takes a lot of work. Mm. It is totally possible, completely, in my opinion, it is completely possible to reshape your body, but it takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So it means that you must be devoted to that project. Mm -hmm. So if you're not passionate about making your feet, stand up and understand you then you are n not likely to get there mm -hmm. so many people will state that they want that but they don't actually have that life energy for instance they are driving their kids to different uh, things after school they are uh, going to work regularly they're taking care of their parents they're um, you know, involved in uh, certain activities for themselves, be that, you know, public works or personal practices, etc. right? Mm -hmm. It takes those, everything that we do in our lives takes some energy off of, of our plate, right? Mm -hmm. So we do need to be mindful, first and foremost, of how much available energy do I have? And I then need to forgive myself for not taking on yet another project mm -hmm. that, that I'll say, first of all, second of all, back to what we were, what your question was, is do I give out uh, homeworks and things of that nature? Definitely. So if that person, I try to, first of all, be simple and be more specific to the acute issue that they brought in. And then once they start to, to um, become more, released, mobile, etc. then if that person desires that next step, um, 
homework towards neutrality, then yeah, that's a great place. Uh, and there are things definitely that can be done towards those goals. Um, most of them, no, all of them are based upon the idea that the first thing you need is a mind, mindful attitude. Mm-hmm. Or you speak my language there for sure. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have a mindful attitude, then you're not going to get there because they're, they are all super unsexy. <laughs> so, so you don't get a, you don't get uh, unrounded shoulders, for instance, uh, by going to the gym and doing a, the, the Wolverine wor- workout, right? Right. It doesn't happen. Right. It's not this, it's not this, uh, fantasy sculpting my body, you know, getting it to look a certain way because this is the way somebody else had it work for them or something along those lines. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, 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 um, quiet, slow work. And a lot of listening too, right? Listening to what's happening, listening to how you are moving. Yeah. Yeah, that's that mind, mindfulness piece. How am I moving? What's happening? When when I'm doing, like if I take a plank, for instance, right? So most of us will try and do planks right on the floor, um, you know, with the, either on our hands or on our elbows. So you're going to probably like, if with, there's 10 iterations of a plank, you're going to iteration number five, right? You're like skipping all of the first parts of it mm-hmm. and going straight to the middle, right? Uh, if not closer to the end of the of the plank series right mm. and so you your ability to listen at that point is so much reduced mm-hmm. so you need certain to muscles are screaming at you yeah yeah totally yeah. If, if, if if these if you're if you're at a place where you're doing the plank and muscles are screaming at you you're doing the quote-unquote sexy version of the plank right mm. you're like look at me i'm working out right versus the the version that's actually going to change your movement pattern, mm-hmm. which is way back at the other end. Yeah. Right. We need to learn this ability to, to, to hear when my mus- musculature, fascial tissue, etc., is being challenged at the beginning, right? Like the, the very first um, difficulty. Mm-hmm. So I would say, with the plank, for instance, if I put you in uh, like a stairwell plank or, or even a wall plank, right? Mm-hmm. So you're way up, you're at 45 degrees or, or higher, right? Now you can get there and listen to what's happening in your body and, and be able to understand what musculature am I using to stabilize my core in this plank. Yeah. Is my, is my rectus abdominis overfiring, or am I using my transversus abdominis and the obliques or am I using my erector spinae to keep me in this? Right. And most people can't hear that when they're in the, when they're at their limit, you can only hear that when you're well backed off that limit. And then, you can start to adapt and change and you can then add movement to that, which is the real key piece to, for the nervous system because the nervous system is always about movement and the real key piece to changing your patterns is 
is educating your nervous system and your fascia. So if they can't, if they don't have room to talk, you're, you're not changing anything. You're just going to use your old pattern to keep you in that position, right? Mm-hmm. So once you're, once you're backed off, you're doing that stairwell plank, you can actually be in the plank. You can see if you're holding the way that you've been instructed to hold. Then you can try adding movement to that. You can lift an arm, you can lift a leg, or maybe you can move yourself from plank position to pike position. Mm. And if you're, and can I maintain my core while I'm moving to pike position? That's a classic one that most people will fail at. They'll just dump that. Mm. As soon as they go to move their hips, their, their gut goes and sags out, right? So, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> those are the things that will change our patterns. Totally unsexy, right? <laughs> totally unsexy. Nobody's going to look at you and go, wow, I want to do that workout because I'm going to look like I actually know how to use my core, right? It's like, because that's not going to give you a six pack. Yeah. But it's, it, but what it is going to do is it's going to make you functional. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I have to translate everything that you're saying into um, an arena that I can relate to, which for me is yoga. And I think back to, you know, the westernization of the asana practice, the yoga practice, when, when Lauren and I uh, were in India and we were on the ashram and we were studying yoga there, like I remember uh, when my wife was taking her yoga teacher training in India, she would talk about how for hours, for hours, it was hands and wrists. They would sit mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. their legs out extended and just <laughs> flex their toes for yeah. hours. And then we're going to roll out the ankles and then we're going to get into the fingers and the wrists and all this kind of stuff. And again, that's not sexy. That's not what people want to do when they come into a yoga. Everybody, everybody's waiting to do the wheel, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Put me in a handstand and let's, uh, you know, let's go again, handstand. So you put yourself in a handstand and your wrists have never been loaded. uh, Have that kind of weight in that position for those stabilizers to be, you know, firing up when you're in that position and your grip, your fingers, the strength that it takes there. And uh, yet we see this all the time and it's, it's a hard, we've had a lot of conversations about it as yoga studio owners and yoga teachers. People are looking for sexy yoga. I'm using this terminology now that you have created yeah. here, but uh, yeah. this, this Western westernization of these asana practices. And one of the ones that scares me the most is, is headstand. You think yeah. about, yeah where this comes from in a lot of these parts of the world and eastern uh, cultures they're loading weight on their neck from such a young age i remember spending time in in uh, thailand and stuff and watching these teenagers carry skids of bricks on their heads right and you look at their necks though and they are they're just, they've developed to be able to really develop to do that because they've been carrying slightly heavier and slightly heavier things since they were little kids exactly right? So there's that history piece again. Yeah, and in this case, that history is is working for the favor, again, of what they're telling their body, this is what I want to do. Body being intelligent and listening and say, okay, let me develop yeah. to be able to support you in yeah. that. And yeah, and, 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 and when I'm sitting in my de- at my desk, it's intelligent too, and it's also for my, to my favor. It's just that we don't, we don't see it that way. Right, because sitting at the desk, again, doesn't look as sexy as being in that headstand. Exactly. Unless you're like Ryan Gosling or something like that. And you just, you know, you can just sexy all the time. Yeah. (laughs) But so one of the things that, that comes up is again, 
you know, the homework piece to that and home practice is so important with, with anything that you're getting into, whether it's going to be that usable body, the yoga practice, or even the mindfulness stuff, I'll often use body work as a, as an analogy for the mindfulness practice that I do. It's like, would you come to a personal trainer, do like two or three push-ups with that personal trainer for them to show you form, but then not do it for the rest of the week or the rest of the month and expect to be developing all the muscles that it takes to be able to do a good push-up. It's right. just not going to happen. So I, I can appreciate that energy piece um, around, is this actually something that you are going to be able to find time for in your life? Like it could, it's great that we can fantasize about, yeah, I want to be an amazing rock climber and I want to be able to do, you know, all of these sports and all this kind of stuff. But is it, is it feasible that I'm going to have the energy to get myself to the point where I can do it safe without injury. That's right. And, and if not, that doesn't mean I don't do it. It just means that I have to be, again, mindful of how well I can do it mm -hmm. and how far I can push myself without injury. Mm -hmm. So you can push yourself all the way. So, so you know, I can, I'm going to only play uh, hockey on the weekend. You can push yourself really hard you can pretend you're an, an, an nhl player while you're out and yeah and but the chances that you could get a heart attack if you're you know in in your later years of, of life be that you know 45 to you know 65 and you're out there playing hockey on weekends only mm -hmm. are much greater than if you were also spending time throughout your week conditioning yourself Right. So, and it's not that that's wrong. It's just that that's, that's the results of the choices that we make. Right. Like we have to actually take the ownership, not just chalk it up to, Oh, you know, this is just what happens when you get older. This is just what happens. You know, right. when you have kids and you start pulling your head, you know, all these things that we'll just put stories to it's like, okay, what are the choices that you are making? Yeah. To and I made, and so for me, I made the choice to have a child, right? I have a beautiful 17 year old daughter is awesome, but that takes energy away from me. Therefore I'm not going to train because I'm a cyclist. I'm not going to, you know, go out on the weekend and, and do a 210 kilometer ride uh, because I'm, you know, trying to do the same things as, as Julianne Alaphilippe at the tour de France. Right. Mm -hmm. Without, having the expectation that very likely I won't, if I survive it, I won't be able to move tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Now, that being said, you, you, you know, have your practice, you're, you're doing the, um, doing the RMT work and the body work that you're doing. But I think looking into your life, I think that you, you've always managed to balance your, your energy quite well i've always because uh, you know we we drum together that's how we actually first met each other we have this uh, extracurricular activity together so even i think uh when i first met you and and recognizing the work that you put in even to keep your body usable to do the work that you're doing you were talking about waking up before you know <laughs> i'm still in, in dreamland <laughs> and doing a full workout and yeah. then, you know, doing some stretches and stuff like that midday and, and like really putting the, the work into being able to do what you do. So do you want to speak as to some of the routines that you've had at different points to try to keep that balanced? I recognize that we're towards the end yeah. of this, but. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So 
I mean, again, that's, those are choices that I've personally made. And I think it's always about balance, to be honest. So, <clears throat> and again, I'll put the, in the history piece. So for me, uh, a lot of, a lot of choices have been made about work-life balance because I am a, a person who watched their father die. So I was 15 years old when my dad had a, a, a died of a brain tumor and at 42, right? So that shapes who you are mm-hmm. in a certain way. And um, one of the things that I've, learned from that was that um death is imminent yeah (laughs) it is always sitting on your shoulder so for me having learned that lesson uh and that doesn't mean that everybody needs to learn that lesson it just means that that's a lesson that i personally learned it shapes the way i move through my day so um so i'm i am um, continuously conscious of that idea that at some point, at any point, I might die. So I make a choice based off of that. And that choice is I will only work a certain amount and try to figure out what that is. So it's an enough uh, equation, right? What's my enough? What, What do I need? And everything above that is going to be not gravy, but actually poison. Mm, mm-hmm. So I try to try to be consciously aware of my enough on a regular basis. Work to that point, and then with and then also pepper that with um, things that I like to do and things that keep me healthy. So I will both have a glass of wine when I come home from work because I like it. Um, and I will also sometimes come home and go for a ride uh, in the country on my, on my bicycle, right? Mm-hmm. I will uh, regularly throughout my work, uh, work week, I have, uh, I've scheduled my days so that I tend to work mornings and evenings. That's a thing for massage therapy. We have a, a number of clients that like to come early and a, another group of clients that like to come late. So then I take that middle portion of the day and I tend to, again, for me, cycle at this point in my life. That's the big one. Or I will, in the, in the um, off cycling season, so when there's snow on the ground, I will uh, do a workout. Um, I've personally chosen to do mostly body work, uh, uh, body weight work, mm-hmm. um, uh, because I think that it is the most applicable to me and my lifestyle. Um, it helps with, um, the way that I move and, um, it, during my job and, and, and it gives me the, the, the musculature that I want first of all and second of all need to do the job that i'm doing and it also encourages um you know flexibility and those sorts of things mm-hmm. uh, yeah so so i try to have that balance throughout my week of of um self-care and enjoyment so with the cycling for instance it's both at the same time um it's uh you know it's a, a 
cardiopulmonary system workout, but it's also a uh, enjoyment just being outside, fresh air, seeing the seasons, all that sort of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I put I put that through my through my day through my life. I try to make uh, healthy eating uh, choices, um, but I I don't, uh, for instance, exclude a donut on occasion once a month, something like that. Right. right? Well, and I think that speaks so much to everything that you talked about, about being mindful, checking in, listening to the body, recognizing that I can have a glass of wine or I can eat a donut from time to time. And yeah, okay, is that going to spike my blood sugar up temporarily? Is it going to do all that kind of stuff? Sure. And I work through that. Is it, you know, worth it for me and all that? And saying, yes, right now it is. And I want yeah. it and I'm going to get enjoyment out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And if I have the second one, will I have enjoyment? And again, in that moment, you have to make that decision. Um, but there's always, right? Like is there's yeah. too much enjoyment is, is going to be a problem. Uh, too little enjoyment is going to be a problem. So you got to just figure that one out. And the big takeaway that I, I got from that last piece and that I really enjoyed was that piece of here, where's enough, here's enough. And that mind shift that happened for you, and maybe it's different for everybody, but the mind shift of more than that it's not just gravy. It's not just saying, you know, okay, just bank this up. Yeah, here we go. But at a certain point, it's like more than enough is poison. It's taking away from the available energy you have to do all the yeah. stuff that we've been talking about. Yeah, very much so. Awesome. Thanks for so much for joining me today, Chris. If, if, uh, it has been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been a hoot. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, is there any way if people wanted to either find um, you or find out more about you. Are you out into the, the World Wide Web in any way or? I, I actually, am, um, uh, I currently am not. Uh, so another work-life balance thing. <laughs> I, like I, I have actually had a website for quite some time, but I have decided to take it off to shut it down. Um, so I am available, uh, probably if somebody wanted to contact me, they could email me at lambertrmt at gmail.com. So that's L-A-M-B-E-R-T-R-M-T at gmail.com. Um, that's how they would contact me. But I have uh, decided to, to let go of the website because I, uh, I'm, I, I'm, uh, my clientele is is uh, is keeping me going. My current clientele is keeping me going in in uh, for most cases. And um, uh, again, like I enjoy the idea of um, meeting new clients through referral, right? Mm -hmm. So I would treat this as a referral personally. Um, so that's that's the way I see it. Awesome. Well, everyone has uh, everyone has my <laughs> referral towards you. Uh, at this point, make this an official referral now at this point. Uh, beautiful. Well, uh, I, once again, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get on with your day. And uh, but I'd love to have you uh, back on and check in again. Beautiful. Have a great day. Thank you, my friend. Bye-bye.